Streaming from the streets of Johannesburg, South Africa. Buckle up for news and views in the regular tech podcast, Bit by Bit. Listen to Claire Mattis and Stuart Perry talk everything gadgets and tech. Okay, hello everybody. Welcome to episode 7 of Bit by Bit. It's been a while. We're a little bit all over the place with these episodes, so I apologize for that. Uh, we are Why? definitely going to get a little bit more regular, but all I want to say is it's all Claire's fault. Uh, I'm Stuart, um, and Claire, maybe you can explain to everyone what have we got to talk about and what have we got for today for this episode. Mm, it's exciting. The, it's the 50th anniversary of leading printing and document management company in South Africa, Nashua. And they have basically become a household name for business in the region. And we have managed to pin down their CEO, Barry Finter, who's a very busy man, so we should consider ourselves lucky. Thank you, Barry. (laughs) And he's here to chat to us about the business and the last few years and um, staying relevant in this day and age. Great. Okay. Well, thanks a lot. And let's, uh, let's see what Barry had to say. Barry, if you can just give us a bit of an intro about yourself, um, just chat about who you are and how you fit in with Nashua. No problem. Thanks for the time and the opportunity, Claire. Um, so just a little bit of my background. Um, Choch, I, I came out of, of school, went to do military service, wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do at the time. Um, after that, I went and did my BCom. And I, I then in 1998 got the opportunity to start with a company called Netel Cellular, which was part of NetBank at the time. Really the start of, of Telco. Uh, I think we were 40 people at the time, all youngsters, um, straight out of varsity. Um, we had a thousand customers at the time and had the opportunity to, to merge with Plessy Cellular or acquire Plessy Cellular the year after. And then in 2000, we merged with Nashua Cellular. And that entity then became Nashua Mobile. And, and within that entity, I had the opportunity to to experience all divisions within the business from IT uh, to call centers, um, operations, logistics, procurement, um, you name it. I then became the COO for, for Nashua Mobile. And then in the year of when we when we sold the business off to the respective networks, I was then the acting CEO for, for around 12 months. And thereafter, I had the opportunity to join Nashua Office Automation, um, as it was known at the time in the year 2014 as COO, um, worked with Mark Taylor, who was the CEO at the time. Um, and it was it was quite an interesting journey. We had the opportunity to, to develop um, the strategy going forward and how do we diversify um, this, this brand called Nashua, which has been very successful in office automation into a, a broader ICT play. And we, we started implementing the strategy around 2016 and I then took over as the CEO of, of Nashua in, on 1 April, April Fools, <laughs> 2020. So it's my third year in, in chair of CEO. Um, and since then, it's, it's been a, a fabulous ride. It's been uh, business as unusual um, since the day I took chair because lockdown started on the same, in the same week. Um, and, we, you know, we went through the riots, we went through flooding in the KZN areas, we went through manufacturing and logistical concerns, 
and today, I mean, we're all dealing within the, the uncertain political and economic, economic environments that we're in. Mm. But at the same time, we've built a fabulous brand. We've, we've managed to diversify the business um, nicely um, to date, and, and hopefully that can continue. And we, we've been making some nice inroads and changes and, and adding value into the communities in the sports arena as well, which has yeah. been very exciting for us. Yeah. And that's really me in a nutshell. <laughs> okay. So you, you mentioned sort of ICT and, and um, but, you know, the, the conception or maybe the misconception is that Nashua is print. Yes, it's, it's, it's one of our... <laughs> You're trying to re retell the story or, <laughs> or yeah, trying to change the, the narrative. That started in 1973 as a print business. Mm, mm. You know, the brand was built and the foundations was built and the franchise network was built around, around print concentration. And at the time, it was the tech at the time. It was the workspace offering at the time. If you think about it, it was the printer. It was moving into the digital space into the multifunctional printer, which included the copier, the fax machines, um, et cetera. And then, then from there, we then transitioned into IT to see how do we, how do we use the technology of today to support small business as, as well as all our customers that's been supporting us into the future? How do we help them future-proof their business? So we believe it's the same firm, although the tech of the time at the, at the time was print, and um, today, as technology evolved and connectivity became a lot stronger and more consistent and stable, we've been able to evolve and, and work with our customers in future-proofing their business. Yeah, we've just um, sat in on a talk about adapting. And I suppose Nasha wouldn't have made it 50 years if you weren't adapting to the environment and, and kind of just going with what you, you need, the market to, or what the market wants from you, I suppose. Most definitely. I mean, if you if you look at it, I think the, the, the product, First of all, if I can start, it's it's really around around the purpose. And I mean, as I said, we've we've defined ourselves as the workspace provider. Yes, we are ICT player, but we are we we really a tech enabler in in order to enable those workspaces. So for us, it's how do we provide you the solutions, but with the intent to service them and to ensure this always on environment for our customers. The complexities around that comes in. We so we've got forty two franchises across. Southern Africa, we cover every single territory in five countries. Um, so the footprint is there, the scale is there, but it's how do you continuously multi-skill and keep your people relevant mm. within those environments. So training with intent, upskilling the people, the correct partnerships out there has been fundamental to, to the success to where we are today. Right. I, I suppose, you, I mean, you've covered a lot of it now, but, you know, Nashua's had to adapt. I mean, I suppose as you get larger, that that adaptability does that become less does it make you less agile is it or is it just harder to implement and and you know right now as well if you look at it i mean since i arrived from the uk i've always found yes. i mean south africa is a great place to be um but it can be very difficult to do business here what what would you say that are the biggest challenges that, that nasha has faced in in your time and and how did you overcome those challenges the biggest, the biggest challenges at the time, as I said, I mean, my, my, my first activity in Che was, was the lockdowns and the remote working. Yeah. Mm. And the uncertainty around that and where does that go? So the, the opportunty for us was how do we work with our 40, 40 odd thousand customers in enabling them to be able to work from home and to continue their businesses? Yeah. Um, you know, so, so our positioning was actually perfect because it was around work from anywhere um, and our technology supported that. But as we moved on, and we went through through the respective um, 
riots and the floods and you, you get the, the the different economical circumstances across the country um, and, and, and where we are today, I think some of the, the bigger challenges is around infrastructures, around consistency of connectivity. Um, for us was our annuity base in terms of voice minutes, as an example, um, our print volume got impacted with the ESCOM debacle that started out with, with load shedding and, and blackouts that's happening all across the country. But we found the opportunity and the solution in that in how do we build our own energy offering and with the intent of keeping our customers on. Because yeah. um, that ensured that we could continue driving our annuity, which meant we could continue um, the servicing factor within in these environments. Because, I mean, that it is, it is quite an overhead to carry. Yeah. So it was important to ensure annuity. And that then spun out into the broader Southern Africa in terms of, of the need as ESCOM, as the ESCOM troubles continued. So today it's a core product of Nashua on backup as well as generation um, energy solutions. I've, I mean, how, what, as, as CEO, what's been your view of, of the sudden shift to, to work from home? I must admit, over the years as an employee, I've always thought it was a no-brainer. It's simple. We should all be able to work from home. We waste our time in the commute. It's stressful, whatever. And then it was kind of forced upon us, us all. And I really then started to see the value of being around your work colleagues. Um, I think, and yeah. I kind of missed it. And, and, and I think for me now, I see this hybrid solution as the way to go forward. But I wondered what was your view? I mean, people like Elon Musk have been very clear on what, how the way they see it. I just wondered yeah, what your view was. I'll, I'll give you my view. And, 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 and it, it really, I'm going to give you my view and I'm going to give you the, the broader view because I am exposed. I'm part of an Oxford leadership group at the, at the moment. So I'm quite exposed in terms of um, the, the generation of, of, of today and where they would like to be, but also global trends in terms of what's happening. And you need to bring that then into South African context. So I think mm. if you look at, at the global markets, um, hybrid will continue. I think it's, it's more of a flexible working environment to be more flexible, um, allow people to be able to work from anywhere and what works for them. I think that some of the, the challenges at a global level has been in terms of, of mental health came about. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of struggle on that because um, people need people and people want to interact. It's, yeah. it's the nature of the human being. Uh, but also you see the difficulty in in the continuation, but also forming cultures and, and you know, almost getting people to, to attach to the purpose and the value of the business and, and driving that. Mm. From a South African context point of view, I think it's 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 a lot more um, interesting due to infrastructure and due to the dynamics of our country. I mean, if you look yeah. at the initial lockdown where everyone was sent home within two weeks, call center environments had to bring the people back to, to the office because unfortunately, um, you know, you've got seven people living in a single room and they had to get onto call centers and try and engage with customers. Yeah. It just did not work. Yeah. Um, second to that, connectivity across the country is inconsistent and in, in some instances non-existent. Um, which makes it difficult because connectivity is key to anything digital, right? And then on top of that, we deal with we deal with the concerns around ESCOM and power, the consistency in energy generation. Yeah. And unfortunately, not everyone can afford backup um, for from a continuity perspective. And, and therefore, what what we're experiencing is in the S, broader SME market. And you can see it on the roads and the highways that our customers are back in the office. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, at an enterprise level, so if you look at consultancy um, type businesses like the audit firms, I think it works. The hybrid workspace, 
But then again, you, you see some of the enterprise businesses also bringing people back due to productivity concerns. But I think more importantly is forming cultures and getting people to collaborate effectively. Right. So that's it. I, I'm not giving you the exact answer, but I think it depends on the dynamics of each country and then also what is what is the purpose of of your business and where do you need to be yeah uh, yeah i think it's a great answer actually because it, it is it, it, it's so dependent on so many different variables i mean yeah. i find that the as a company my, my business we could we could actually do everything we could do before but there were certain key elements <clears throat> missing and it was silly little things like i could be having a conversation with a client yes. and my colleague could overhear in the background and shout something really appropriate at the right time. Oh, by the way, I've heard you talking about this. Don't forget this. Or mm. just little tiny things like that make such a difference. Mm. Of course. And, and you, you lose it completely. But you also mentioned mental health and then you've come from an army background. So how did you, you know, is it something you've always thought about it? Is, is it something you've seen, something you've developed? Because an army background makes me think, you know, militant. It's what, you know bait fuss kind of thing and get going do you know what I mean and and I I just wonder like how have you coped with it and how have you you know are you quite open to it I mean obviously it sounds like you are but yeah how is it yeah it's been interesting and I'll speak to me and I'll speak to the broader leadership team because it's it's different dynamics and different profiles and different different ways of work um Mm. coming to the respective individuals for me it was pretty Pretty easy to work remotely. I will say it was, uh, I really got fatigued in terms of all the online meetings and calls. And every yeah. time there's a new announcement, um, the board and the shareholders expects new forecasts. I'm sure, yeah. We really might not know what's going to happen. And there's me with my little life, you know. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think there was a struggle. People struggled to find the balance in terms of the, the work-life balance. But also you almost saw respect falling away because, mm. I mean, you're at home, you're online, so you should be available 24-7. Yeah. And we had to learn those lessons. Yeah. And uh, how difficult I'm, was it for you? Because you have you started as yeah. as a head of Nashua in the middle of a pandemic. It was tough. Well, not um, even in the middle of the beginning. Of course, yes. For us, it was tough because, remember, it's not just me and the direct team. I've got 42 franchise partners. Yeah, yeah. And for us, was how do we keep engaged, not only with our staff directly as a franchisor, but also keep our franchises connected? Mm. And how do we ensure they stay connected with their customers? Because our opportunity as a workspace provider and at the time an essential, essential worker, because we needed to make sure that we could service these, these, this equipment for companies to continue. Yeah. Um, was was really the I think the most important aspect was was keeping in touch and seeing where we can add value, and then secondly to that is is really building what is the boundaries? How do we connect? How do we make it make those connections more effective? Because because people get disconnected sometimes online. The learnings of you know switch the camera on so we can look each other in the eye. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's difficult to try and read emotions and, and to understand where people are really at. But it was a for me, it wasn't as, as much of a difficult transition than really understanding where are we going and what do we need to do and how do we how do we keep adding value and helping our customers through that, that period. I right. mean, the trust from our customer base and the brand is so significant and it showed where people came to us for PPE equipment mm. and said, please help us. You know, please set us up remotely. Please help us with, with um, moving PCs from the office to the home and, and get that up and running for us. So, yeah. It was a good good learning curve for all of us, for me especially. It's a quick learning curve. Um, but I, I think everyone adopted quite well. But we went back to the office the moment we could. And the rationale behind that was our customers went back to the office. And our customers asked us 
to come visit and let's sign the agreements and the service levels over the table so we can shake hands. And I think that's part of the the true South African culture is 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 you know eye to eye contact, shake hands. Mm. Is still that element of, of personal trust. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And therefore, we all come back to the office in in within our work environment. Mm. Yeah, no, no. I I think I I found that initial interacting again coming back to the office afterwards i found it i found it difficult but i, I realized and i thought i'd done fairly well i thought I, i'd actually enjoyed it but i didn't realize until i got back into 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 like office space and communicating with people how much i'd missed it just of being around so. people it was crazy but you're talking about that i think i think i, want, I wanted to ask you about technology and, and i think a lot of what covid did was it forced us to embrace um, technology that we all thought was coming in the future. So the work from home thing and Zoom yeah. calls being more of, of our work, we expected that to come. We didn't expect it to come as quickly as it did. But I'm just wondering, what, what tech, how has technology impacted Nashua's business um, over the years? And, and, and are there any technologies now or, or things that are coming for the future that you're excited about? Yes, I'll, I'll, I'm going to talk to it in two parts, if you don't mind. So yeah, we've... Sure. We've built up what we call the Nashua ecosystem. And I mean, if you look at the workspace, and it, it doesn't have to be the traditional office, it could be the home office, it could be the school, it could be from an agricultural point of view, or even the school grounds, is we start at the perimeter and we then work our way in layers into the buildings, right to the back of the environment where you store your servers or you've got your connection to, to store in the cloud. Um, so that's how we built out the ecosystem to provide a solution that that can connect to your network um, and that allows you to, to work remotely. So from that, our next step and, and the important layer, and this is technology for the future, is we've built our own Internet of Things, if you want, or IoT platform that brings all these different services together into a single platform. Okay. And that then allows for remote management, remote monitoring. There's some self-healing capability through AI technology that will continue evolving and building out. But it also allows us with the same same service fields and same amount of people in the field to be able to service more. Because we don't have to deploy people at every single incident now. We can do a lot of it remotely, which helps us to get our customers to, to always be on. Um, and I think if you look at the technology for the future, you're going to see a lot more of, and I mean, we all hear the buzzwords AI and IoT yeah. and those things, but a lot more... Um, if I can call it ecosystem type environments um, that people's building because of, of, of the connectivity that's that's getting a lot more reliable and a lot faster that allows for things to be sitting in the cloud that then again allows for that hybrid workforce or the more flexible workforce. I, I believe the magic is going to be in how do you service that effectively and how do you ensure that your customers can always be on within a secure environment. Yeah, we, we were at um, a conference earlier and, and one of the delegates at the conference was was discussing the problems because technology, especially right now, feels like it's moving so fast. Mm. New things coming out every single day. He was concerned that it became a distraction. And what he was trying to say about that was the fact that you don't want to be left behind. So you feel yeah. like you have to kind of embrace everything. And everything yeah. right now has got AI either in front of the name or after the name. Um, and you're, you're desperately looking at things thinking, what if our competitors do this and we don't, and it, and it works for them and, and we've missed out. And yeah. then it can become so, you can become so scramble. bogged down in these new yes. ideas that you're actually not f moving forward at all. I is that an issue? 
I agree with you. Look, we've we've managed, we've tried to manage it. We we add value for both for both parts. It needs to be a win-win situation. So we don't we don't jump at every single technology that comes out every single time. We have a look at will it add value, what type of value would it add, and we're very specific. So if you look at, um, I mean, we know the print portfolio, and and we have. Um, what's the right word? We have onboarded some additional OEMs into our print portfolio outside of Rico, and it was really to to address certain verticals and industries um, where we were not that strong at. So to play to that strength. Then we went into the connection, because if you've got the connection into the building, you can then start playing with, with IP-type technology and help customers to get services into the cloud. Um, but we, we've got single products in terms of a fiber product. We've got a single product in terms of a wireless product. If you start diversifying too wide, it becomes very difficult for, for your people to talk to it intelligently, to add value, and then also the serviceability of that becomes difficult to, to maintain. Yeah. yeah, I think you need to look at what is the requirement for the customer and what is a suited solution. And if you've got that in your basket, I would not diversify too fast. I would also not try and take technology that's only going to be relevant in five years and try and push it today. Yeah. No. That's what's happening with the AI and the IoT um, and the like. And I saw it. I want to come back to your, your previous question in terms of tech during lockdowns. I mean, just an example, and this is a global trend. It's not a national thing. And, and I can't tell you why. Is we've had e-signature um, technology in order to sign contracts, invoices, credit notes, whatever you might need to sign electronically, whether either on your mobile phone tablets on your PC. The uptake was so much. What we have seen in the last year or two years is people are actually not upgrading the technology. They're moving away from it and they're going back to paper-based systems that they were accustomed to and they used to. You would have thought that people would have adopted. Yeah. And I think a component of that is fatigue. A component was that it's technology for that specific time period, but it might not be relevant going forward. And so, so I don't know. You also need to look at the appetite. If you look at the SME market today, are they actively in, in, in investing in digital, digitizing their businesses? I don't think so. I think they're looking at priorities and they're investing where it's required. Energy is a necessity for them in order to keep their doors open. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and so uh, it, it varies. In enterprise level, it's a very different discussion, right? People will digitize and they'll work remotely because they can and they've got the funding to do so. Yeah. It also has to be cohesive, though. It has to be end-to-end. So it's, yeah. it's, it's no good introducing this e-signature platform if the way you store things hasn't been managed correctly. So you haven't got a, an adequate way of filing uh, systems. You haven't got an adequate cloud storage, maybe, or procedures in place for the next step. So what do you then do? Because what you'll find is you have all these e-signatures, and at the end of it, someone prints it out and hands it into the, to, the, to, to, the, to finance or wherever. So the, I think that's part of the problem, and that's sometimes the reason why people, they rush in, they don't fully ad- adapt, and then they pull back later because it doesn't fit in with the rest of the system. But it's also an understanding of it, I think. Maybe it some is. people, you know, whoever will print out those signatures doesn't understand that having them on file. But it's, it's an understanding, but it's also a journey. I think the responsibility sits with, with the partner, with the provider. So if you look at Nashua, it's our responsibility to, to work with the customer and to, to build out that roadmap and agree what that roadmap looks like. Mm. I said to someone the other day, the MFP, the multifunction printer today, for me, is an input device into digitization because that's a starting point in generating the document, imaging the document. Yeah. You've got your smart panels to activate the workflow. 
and from there you can you can do your required approvals, your signatures, and then store it in the cloud from a for 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 future retrieval. But to do all of that in one in one go is is expensive. So it's it's really how do you work with your customer, understand the need, and then map out the journey. Because for a small business to invest an end-to-end digitization process could be expensive. Yeah. Yeah. But it yeah. could be a three, four year plan and that you agree to upfront and then you you do it on a modular basis. And I think to adopt that back into those small businesses is a lot easier right. than trying to do the one big bulk project. Right. So um I know we spoke about um, you know, being sort of you know, adapting to environments and that's probably the reason Nashua has lasted 50 years and probably will go for another 50 years. Um, but I wanted to sort of talk about accomplishments and milestones just to bring it back to the 50 years of, of Nashua. Any, are there sort of company milestones you'd, um, you can, you can take us through? Yes, most definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm going to start with today. I mean, it's, it's, it's an extremely proud moment for us this year in, in, I think for any South African or Southern African business to have turned 50 and especially thinking of this beast started as a print business and today we we a reputable ICT business enabling workspaces. So for us that is that is an extremely proud moment. Um, but I mean if you if you take it back, the business started in 1973. I'll just highlight some of the things. Yeah. Ronet acquired the Nashua business from Bala World in 1993 at the time, and that's when Ronet became the investor, and today we're still highly owned by, by Roynet. Okay. Um, we then started our diversification strategy, and I spoke to it earlier, around becoming the total workspace provider in 2015, 2016. Um, and we launched, our first product that we launched in that was around voice solutions, and the rationale behind that is we we had ECN as well as National Mobile just before that in the in the group. So we understood we had the telco skills, but we also had the network mm-hmm. in the end providing VoIP um, or voice over IP um, type solutions. It was a great learning curve for us. And I'm, I'm going to say it, it's not something to be proud of, but I think it's, it shows the learnings that we went through. Mm-hmm. It took us seven launches to get voice right. Wow. Okay. <laughs> wow. Uh, and it shows the complexity. If you don't really have a methodology in how do you do this? How do you embrace your 42 franchisees and, and, and get your partners and customers involved? It could be very difficult to, to achieve these type of things. Mm. And in those learnings, we, we then defined the methodology of how do we take new products and services into market? And from there, we went into become Hikvision's strategic partner for Southern Africa in terms of surveillance and access control. And proudly this year, we got recognized again as a strategic partner of choice in Southern Africa for, for Heat Vision. Wow. Um, this year also is our 40th celebration with Rico International in okay. our partnerships. And at the same time, I'm bragging a little bit. Please, that's <laughs> what for it's it. for. <laughs> Giving me the time. So we, we also got recognized as um, the, the office automation partner um, of emerging markets, and at the same time, also the DocuWare partner for emerging markets. And DocuWare is what we spoke about, the digitization um, technology we're using to create workflows, automation, and then storage and retrieval um, methodologies that we built in for our customers. Okay. I'm, I'm actually interested in the, the office automation side. 
Um, and obviously, you you deal with customers with businesses of all different sizes, from from small businesses to very large businesses. What yeah. would you say, for, from an automation point of view, is something that small businesses don't do but could do that would really help? What are the basic steps they could take? It depends on the business. Well, I do see people struggling is if you look at, at your, your one or two man type businesses. So typically, if you look at your GPs or you look at your dental environments, they struggle to understand the value of technology. And we we took one one dental environment and, and really went and just had a look at how do we digitize all these files? Because, I mean, all those files of all the patients over all the years, I promise you, yeah. still in the single room. And if they need to try and find it, it's very difficult. And, you know, that's a simple scanning exercise. You can start with something like OneDrive, which provides you with simple storage and retrieval functionality. Uh, it takes a little bit of time to index it. And then start just understanding the efficiency you could get from, from digital storage and retrieval type tools. And you can do that from anywhere, basically. Yeah. Um, and then from there, I would say, how do you create more workflows in terms of your accounts payable? It's repeatable processes, so it doesn't have to be designed for that practice specifically. You know, we've, we've designed those type of, of practices on how do you pay your, your accounts payable, but also how do you automate your accounts receivable, put in some, some automated signatures and, and who needs to sign when yeah. and in terms of those practices. And those type of things, I think, is very simple to, to automate and to digitize and save them a lot of time and frustration. Yeah. And it de-risks. You know, KZN is an example. We we saw pharmacies and dental practices that was burned down in the looting, and they lost every single record that they ever had of any one oh, of them. That's terrible. And at that time, they realized, okay, maybe we need to digitize businesses, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Um, but it, it just shows you a real life example of of the cause if you do not protect from a business continuity perspective. Mm. Yeah, and I, th I think in many ways, although it might not seem it, it's probably much easier for smaller businesses to do as well. Exactly. Um, and, and I think, you know, a smaller business, the last thing, you know, I think with business, if, if you don't grow, you shrink. Um, yes. And I think by getting rid of some of these repetitive tasks, it can actually give you the chance as a business to concentrate on the areas that are going to make you grow, mm. not the mundane, nitty-gritty well, stuff that you have to do. You want to focus on growing your business. You don't want to focus on filing and storing, yeah. <laughs> making sure there's safekeeping around it. So I agree with you. But also, if you think about it, a lot of us only learn when something does go wrong. So that is, that you know, unfortunately, it is a hard lesson to learn to bring your business into the 21st century, you know? Uh, I agree with you, but I think it's also our responsibility in, in stop trying to sell products mm. to the customer. If you, mm. if you take the approach in terms of consultancy and you share some of these real-life examples of what's happened so people can learn from other people's experiences. Yeah, yeah, I that's think there's a, there's, a, there's a different approach to sales in, in the modern world today than there was 10, 20 years back. Um, and if you get that right, I, think, I do think you can get people to, to understand and learn these lessons uh, without experiencing it themselves. Okay. I, one thing I wanted to ask, and I, I don't know if you'll be able to answer me, because it's something that I always, well, since I've lived here, I've thought about a lot. You mentioned, we've mentioned load shedding. We've touched on it here and there. It's obviously a huge problem. It looks like it's going to become a bigger problem going forward. Mm. Does a company of Nashua's size, um, do you have the opportunity to, to engage with government? Um, do you have any kind of conversation that discusses 
what their plans are to rectify things. I'm not expecting you to share those plans if you do, but I'm just worried. I'm just wondering, do you have that conversation? Do you have input to say, look, look this is the way it's affecting us. This is a real world situation. And just to, yeah. to get some guidance. Look, I'll be, I'll be honest with you because we, we are part of the, the broader Roynet group and within Roynet, we've got, we've got Terra Firma, which focuses on really enterprise type generation. And we also have Blue Nova, which is a local battery manufacturer on lithium-ion battery solutions. Yeah. So at those levels, though, there is definite engagement and, and, and discussion. From a national point of view, no, um, we don't. They're the lead, they're the factories at the back that supports us. So the discussions will happen at, at, at those levels. Could you not just take over and tell them how? I mean, if you've done it for 50 years, run a successful business for 50 <laughs> we, years, we could all. you not just tell them how to do it properly? <laughs> Please. Look, I think so for us, the immediate concern was to take care of, of our, our direct customer base and to also help customers wherever we can out there. Uh, but I think it's, uh, to your point, it's all, it's corporate South Africa's responsibility. I also think to to try and have those discussions and, and lead it wherever you can. But yeah, move over. Government, here comes Nashua. I no, think that would work no. really well. <laughs> I think we'll, we'll play to our strengths. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I just want to go back to your question on, on achievements. There's two things I want to name. Yes. I spoke a lot about our achievements in business. Mm. Um, you know, there's a, there's a, we've got the Nashua Child, Children Charity Foundation. Um, this is their 26 year of existence today, where we wow. take care of 17,000 children, all their meals, their stationery, their wow. clothing, school uniforms. Um, and, and it's been a, a very passionate drive for us. Um, and, and we hope that, that that will continue strong. But it's also been amazing the people that, that gets involved and assist us on the, on the monthly shopping and contributions, etc. Wow. And then second to that, if you look at the, the sports arena, um, I mean, Nashua has been part since the, the late 70s when mm -hmm. we were the first logo on a provincial rugby site, which is Northern Transvaal at the time. Um, today it's called the Bulls. <laughs> um, and then from there we had people like, like Ernie Els out of school. We had Baby Jakes, Ryan Mitchell. Uh, we got involved in tennis and, and cricket and, and rugby, athletics, you name it, we were there. Yeah. Um, but today we've we've invested two years ago, two years back, we took hands with Supersport Schools, where we became the founding sponsor, but also the enablement partner of AI technology to capture and stream high school sports at all levels. Wow. And the intent there was to identify talent and to help groom the future leaders of sport within South Africa. Cool, and very cool. It's, it's playing out quite nicely. We've now got not only an app um on the on the mobile technology, we've also got a dedicated channel in channel two one six on DSTV. Oh, cool! And it's it's building out phenomenally. The the amount of of subscribers is just absolutely amazing. I think every week they keep breaking breaking records in terms of of the audiences. Um, but that's that's working out very nicely for us. And then lastly, from a community point of view, is and this is where I think we could all play a much stronger role is we've, we've done community projects in terms of providing public Wi-Fi and also overlaying security solutions on top of that and partnering with local security companies from a response point of view to keep the community safe. Okay. And um, at our 50th celebration, I had the opportunity, the one lady just joined and she was actually placed on, on the NASA account. And the way that she, she applied for the job was through a NASA public Wi-Fi in Mapumulanga. Oh, wow. And I managed to meet her that day, which was an absolute beautiful story. But I think if we could start building small 
smart communities, you can start building that out into smarter cities over time. But we're all going to have to play our a little bit in that. I, I'll, I'll be honest, I, I, I love that about South Africa. I mean, they do say necessity is the mother of invention, but I, I think um, that you're not a country of people who sit back and wait for other people to fix things for you. You don't, no. I, I, I grew up, I spent 39 years in the UK and I was, I was as bad as anybody else, but I was like, look at the state of this. When are the government going to fix it? He means 21 years. Yeah, sorry, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when are the government going to fix this? And it was, and the attitude here is, yeah. it's a community thing. Well, okay, yeah. this doesn't work. Let's let's go yeah. out there and let's get it done. And you saw the same, you know, when the riots happened in, in Kaiserlein, we took hands with, with Skynet at the time. And within four days, we were able to to fly two Boeings carrying 360 tons worth of food. Yeah, wow. amazing. Uh, the environment, you know, and, and, and you see that every single day, our business is trying to get involved and, and, and ensure that the communities are, are sustainable because if the communities are sustainable, There'll always be opportunities for growth and, and building out further. Yeah, it's it's a much more forward thinking way. You know, it's a, it's a much better way of looking at things rather than sitting back and waiting for things to be fixed. You're like, okay, we want this. I mean, just if you look at it as an entirely selfish thing, we want our business to continue to be successful, but we yeah. need the wider community to be successful in order to enable that. Exactly. Yeah. Our, our business comes from the community, so we need to make sure that they are sustainable and they're functioning. I just wondered, have you got any special programs for forty-seven-year-old Englishmen? Because <laughs> we we, we heard more what you do for the school. Come and join us. We've got lots of opportunities for, for people to get involved. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh dear. I was looking more for a handout, really. Well, never mind. <laughs> a okay. Freebie to the yeah, foreigner. Yeah, always, place. always. Yeah, no, yeah. No, no. So, just um, our last question, I think. Looking ahead, yeah. what do you? Where do you see Nashua going? What do you see for the future? Um, I suppose for Nashua, for us, for all of us. And for the country. Yeah. Yeah, so for, for us, I mean, it's, it's, we will continue with our franchise our franchise model. We believe it, 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 it's worked well for us. We're 42 small businesses, if you think about it. And that's why we can, we can help and enable small business because we've been there, we've gone through it, we really understand it. We're not this big corporate um, engine. Um, we'll continue supporting the 2,500 families that we employ within this environment. And as I said, is we will we want to get more efficient and effective in ensuring the always-on principles for our customers. Doesn't it's irrespective of what technologies we play, whether it's the technology of today or a version 2.1 tomorrow. It is really how do we service those environments? How do we simplify it for our customers in order for them to be able to focus on growing their businesses? And we'll hold their hands in that journey. And that's been. The national promise to market in saving you time, saving you money, putting you first, and that has never changed in the last 50 years, and we don't intend to change that into the future. I was just about to ask you, can you, in your best Barry Fenter voice, say, saving you time and saving you money? I am so pleased you said that. I must be but, sending um, you things telepathically. But it's, it's, been, it's been absolutely phenomenal. I mean, that's still been at the core and the heart of what we do is that, that brand promise that we make to the market. We continue to uphold that brand. Perfect. No, that's great. That's great. great. I Thank think you. it comes across very clear. So, uh, you know, Nashua is a is a, a South African hero, really. Yeah. I mean, keeping people employed through these tough times um, and helping small yeah. businesses yeah, grow. Business, small businesses are the backbone, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what we need to develop further. One hundred percent. 
Perfect. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Barry. And um, yeah, we we can't wait to interview you in the next 50 years for <laughs> the 100th. Yeah. It's been a great opportunity and I had lots of fun. Thank you very Good. much. Okay, thanks a lot. Thank you okay. for your time. Thank you, Barry. Bye. Thanks, Bye. 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 Bye.